0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We've been talking about faith the last several weeks, and we're going to talk about faith a little bit again tonight. And uh, faith is simply believing in God or taking God at his word. Faith is depending upon the Lord. And my, how we need to live by faith and not by sight. I believe the reason why so many Christians get discouraged so easily and churches are so weak in our generation is we've kind of gotten too much flesh and not enough faith. By that, I mean we depend upon too much by what we can fix or what we can see or what we can handle or understand, but God doesn't work in the realm of what you can fix or what you can see or what you can understand. He's far above and far beyond anything that we can comprehend, and that's where faith steps in. Fear would say God is a liar, but faith says let God be true and every man a liar. Tonight we're going to talk about the conquering of faith. I thought about faith. Faith is like a father. It leads us through life. Faith is like a mother. It produces things in our life. And faith is like a child. It urges us in that simplicity simply to trust in God. And we need faith tonight. We're going to talk about conquering faith. Throughout history there's been many famous conquerors. And you'll know the names. Uh, Genghis Khan is a famous conqueror. Conquered 4.8 million square miles of territory, something like that. Uh, Alexander the Great was a great conqueror. The pharaohs of Egypt would have been great conquerors. Cyrus would have been a great conqueror. But I want to serve notice tonight, there is no greater conqueror than the conqueror of faith. Faith can overcome. Faith can get the victory. Faith can win the battle no matter what the battle is. I want to look at a text tonight you're probably familiar with here. It's also found in Mark chapter 2. But here in Luke chapter 5, we'll find it tonight. Let's begin reading in verse number 17, and I'll give you the thought for the message. The Bible said, and it came to pass on a certain day. I like the fact it doesn't say it was a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday because it doesn't want to just cage God into one day to work. I'm glad God can work any day. It's a certain day as he was teaching in Mark chapter 2, it tells us he was preaching the Word of God to them. He was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, that could be a good testimony for a church right there. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, I'm not going to preach on this, but can I say your faith is important to other people. It wasn't the faith of this man with the condition. It was the faith of these men with compassion that got that man what he needed. You know, there's lost people in Santa Clara, California that don't have faith, but we do. And your faith could greatly impact not just their day, but their eternity. This man, they get him to the Lord in an unusual manner. Look what it says in verse number 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying... By the way, you want to check yourself, if your first reaction to God's blessing is always to critique or murmur or analyze, then you might just be a Pharisee. Say amen right there. They began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? That ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon the earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy. I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen, and I like this word, strange things today. When's the last time you saw something strange in church? I'm talking about something you didn't expect to see. I'm talking about something out of the ordinary. I mean, something that wasn't on the order of service. I mean, something that wasn't even on your, uh, on your uh, per- perimeter. I mean, you didn't even think it could happen, and then God just blew in, and God blew out, and God did something amazing. I'd like to see some strange things. I'm kind of seeing some strange looks, but I'd like to see some strange things. I'm talking about some things only God can do. If you read this passage, you'll discover the entire story up until this man gets healed. And by the way, he doesn't get healed of the palsy. First, he forgives him of his sin. That was the main need. But everything up to that point was a battle. Everything was a battle. These men had to battle with their own desire. They had to put themselves on the back burner to go care for their friend. That's a battle. They had to carry him on a couch. That's a battle. They had to fight through a crowd, and those people, instead of making a way, got in the way. Man, that's a battle. People are a battle. They climb upstairs carrying a man on this stretcher. That's a battle. Then they get up and stare down, and they don't see a sunroof, and they don't see a window or skylight. They just see the roof. Now they have an internal battle. What do we do? I mean, this, might not, this guy doesn't have a homeowner's insurance, and we don't want to pay for it. What do we do? And then they let the man down in. You know... Faith doesn't stop at difficulty. Faith doesn't quit at the first sign of hardship. Faith doesn't limp back to the bench when it gets hit in the game. But faith goes until it crosses the goal line. Faith goes on till victory. For a little while tonight, we've talked about the conceding of faith. Faith submits. We've talked about the confidence of faith that declares God is able. But tonight I want to talk about this, the conquering of faith. My, how in our generation, our world needs to see a conquering church. I'm talking about a church that isn't saying, woe is me. A church that's not on cruise control. A church that hadn't plateaued or stagnated or gotten content with mediocre. But a church that says, you know what, let's take some more ground for God. Let's just press on anyhow. We'll just fight on anyhow. We'll just go forward anyhow. My, how this world needs to see a church like I don't know about you. I'd like to be a part of a church like that. I wouldn't want to be part of one of these churches that has a funeral for God every Sunday. I don't want to rally around a bunch of pessimists, tell me how we can't get it done. I'll just stay at the house and watch, uh, watch a soap opera or something like that, Desperate Housewives of Santa Clara. I mean, come on now. No, I want to be a part of a church that has a vision and believes that God can get it done, a conquering faith. I want to be a Christian like that. I don't want to be a Christian that puts somebody else's spirituality on life support that, I mean, I don't want to always be down in the dumps and depressed and defeated and telling them how God used to do it, but now God can't do it and act like God limped in here tonight on crutches. No, God's alive and well. And I want to have a conquering faith that says, my God can get the job done. Yep. That word conquer means to overcome. It means to gain. It means to win. It means to surmount. It means to be victorious. Tonight, I want you to know Bible faith is a conquering faith bible faith overcomes bible faith gains bible faith wins bible faith surmounts and bible faith is victorious i preached on it here recently in romans chapter 8 we are more than conquerors because of him who loved us when the flesh would say retreat The faith says we must go forward. When fear would say retreat, the faith within us says we must go forward. Faith does not take counsel of fear. Faith does not ask the opinion of the odds. But faith steps back and says, with God, all things are possible. I'm glad tonight that faith, Bible faith, does not shatter under the pressure of the problem. But it stands with assurance on the foundation of the promise. If there's a Red Sea before us, conquering faith says, let's just cross the Red Sea. If a Goliath stands in front of us, conquering faith says, let's just cut the head off of that Goliath. Conquering faith looks at the land of Canaan and said, let's go on and possess the land of Canaan. Conquering faith climbs to the rooftop and it sees the roof and says, let's just knock the ceiling out of the way and let's lower the man down. Faith does not give up. Faith does not give in. Faith does not gripe. Faith does not complain. Faith does not cower. Faith does not hide. Faith does not go on the retreat. But faith goes onward, forward, and conquers for the glory of God. Tonight, God's people are not to be quitters. God's people are called to be conquerors. And the way we conquer is by faith in God. There's far too much quitting in our generation and far too little conquering. The Old Testament shows us, the nation of Israel, that as they entered in the land of Canaan, their life in the land of Canaan was to be a life of conquering. And that type is a picture of the Spirit-filled life. When you and I, when we cross out of the wilderness and enter into the Spirit-filled life as a Christian... You and I ought to be living every day on conquering ground for God. I believe that Christian that lives by faith in God is going to see a lot of conquest in their Christian life. We're going to get to enjoy a lot of victories in the Christian life, and we'll do that by faith. We don't have a spirituality tonight that's scared of its own shadow. We aren't called to be a reed that is shaken by every passing breeze. We aren't to be a candle snuffed out. We aren't to be a trumpet that is silenced. We aren't to be a sword with a dulled edge. We are not called to be quitters, but we are called to be conquerors. I think about what Caleb said. We are well able. We've got everything that we need. We've got everything to get the job done. Within you and I stirs that living faith in a living Savior that can overcome the odds and can press through the problems and overcome the obstacles and do things that the world cannot even imagine. And tonight, church, I want to encourage your heart that you and I have everything we need within us this evening to see God do great and mighty things that we can't even imagine. We don't have to find some magic marketing skill. We don't have to have some magic program. It's just old-fashioned faith in God. Just take the standard and drive it into the soil and say, here's where I plant my flag. Here's where I raise my here's where I, I raise my Ebenezer. I'm just going to live by faith. I'm going to trust by faith. I'm going to fight by faith. I'm going to serve By faith, and if God be for me, who can be against me? And faith is the victory that overcomes and conquers the things of this world. Luke chapter 5 is filled with examples of faith. By the way, the reason it's filled with examples of faith is it's filled with examples of Christ. If you study out this chapter, the Bible emphasizes Jesus has a lot of power. We found in the first section we read, he has power over the storm. Then we read about the leper, he had power over sickness. And tonight we read about this man being forgiven of his sins, he has power over sin. You study this text of chapter 5 and you find that faith is not simply something you possess, but faith is something that will possess you. And as we step across the threshold and enter into this encounter, we're going to see not just conceding faith. And not just the confident faith, but now we find a conquering faith here in verse 17 down through verse number 26 we read together there's an overcapacity crowd that is gathered at this house I like the reason this crowd has convened there's an overcapacity crowd gathered and they're simply gathered to hear and to be healed by the Lord Jesus Christ I tell you if you want to draw a crowd and do it the right way here's how you do it you make much of the Lord and you lift him up high and he'll draw all men all walks of life, all skin colors and all ages unto himself. You say, I don't think we can build a church in 2022 then you don't have much faith in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Because if he was enough to draw men then he's enough to draw men today. I began to ask myself the question why in the world was that crowd crammed up in that house? How do they even know? And I think you have to go back to the previous story from last Wednesday night. That leper got cleansed And you know what that leper did? He didn't have any more sins than to run all over his city and tell everybody what Jesus did in his life. Can I tell you, it'll make a difference when a bunch of sinners saved by grace run all over their city and tell everybody what the Lord did in their life. You can't get past old-fashioned soul winning. That's simply what gets the job done. I can see that leper going all over town. He's clean now. He's whole now. He's right with God now. He didn't whisper about it. He didn't ask to share about it. he shouted it on every street corner in his city. Hey, you gotta come meet this man, Jesus. I used to be broken, now I've been put back together. My life has been changed by the Lord. Now you read this and you'll find he's in, if you read Mark chapter two, the Lord is in the city of Capernaum. Imagine, there's so many things he does here in this region. It'd have been a good place to live, wouldn't it? Could you imagine living in the region of Galilee during this time when the Lord was working like that? boy, I'd like to live in a place where God's working like that wouldn't you I mean well, that's just something that happens every day of the week do you hear what Jesus did today do you hear what Jesus did today did you hear what Jesus did today by the way that could happen around here couldn't it and I think it does every once in a while you hear about Jesus saving that sinner you hear about Jesus restoring that prodigal you hear about Jesus meeting that financial need wouldn't that be a good way to live right there now there's several things I want you to notice in verse 17 just by way of introduction first I want you you to know the place in which the lord was the bible says that jesus was simply sitting in a house I like that there's no qualifier there it doesn't say it was a big house it doesn't say it was a small house it doesn't say it was a, a brick house it doesn't say it was a wood house it doesn't say it was a house of Peter it doesn't say it was the house of another individual it just said he was in that dwelling place you know what that tells me any place is a good enough place for God to meet with his people if you can get two or three gathered in that, in that presence hey, hey, two or three gathered in the name of the Lord he said I'll show up in the midst of them. I thank God we have a big auditorium. It's a beautiful place. But can I say if the wind knocked this thing down tomorrow, we can still meet with God. I'm glad God will meet with you in your prayer closet. He'll meet with you on your bus route. He'll meet with you at your office. I'm glad he'll meet in the country church. He'll meet in the city church. He'll just go wherever there's a need to meet and he'll make himself at home right there. So I find the place where he is. Secondly, I notice he's preaching there. I like that. You say, but it says teaching. Yeah, it does. But just to clear it up, we have Mark chapter 2, and it said he's preaching. Now, could you imagine hearing Jesus preach? Now, what I'm wondering is, how come Jesus didn't just have a -a sing-a-thon? I'm going to meddle just for a minute. Now, why is it Jesus didn't just have a rap session? I mean, why is it that Jesus didn't have a dialogue, set up a round table and discuss ideas over an iPad? Why is it that Jesus opened his mouth and preached the Word of God? I guess he thought that it's the preaching of the Word of God that God had chosen to save them that would believe. The Lord put an emphasis on preaching. Can I say, if you want to be like the Lord and our church is going to be like the Lord, we got to make much of Bible preaching. I thank God for preaching. I thank God for preaching the Bible. Bible. That's what got me in. That's what got you in. And that's what'll get sinners in. Hey, don't you don't you apologize for a preacher. Don't say, I'm sorry about my preacher. Don't be ashamed of a preacher. Thank God for a man of God that'll lift up his voice like a trumpet. I'm so sick of this effeminate, neo-new-age, liberal, modern preaching we see today. It's disgusting. I gotta take a shower when it comes on my social media. I mean, I just get all icky feeling. Give me a man of God like the Lord was. I Thank God our Savior was a preacher. God had one son and chosen to be a preacher. I tell you what, to get the job done, America's a lot better when she had more preachers. Wouldn't it be something if we had preachers ringing out on Sunday morning louder than the church bells used to in America and just calling out sin and lifting up the Savior and filled with the Spirit of God? Thank God for preaching. You got to get mad when the preacher doesn't preach, not when he does. I feel like I got cheated out of my $1 offering tonight. Say amen right there. The place, he's in a house. The priority he put on preaching. Now, watch this there's people present. There's a mixed crowd here. A church ought to be made up of a mixed crowd. There's Pharisees and there's doctors of the law. Those are folks who knew the Old Testament scripture. They're sitting there. And then, no doubt, there are people there with diseases, people there that are broken, people there with needs, and they're all crammed together in the same place. There's some people there to criticize, and some folks there to get cleansed. There's some folks there to get what they need, and some folks there to get some gossip. There's some folks there trying to trap the Lord, and some folks who want to leave with a testimony of the Lord in their life. Can I say it'd be better for you to get in one of those crowds than the other? I can see these Pharisees sitting there trying to be skeptics, but man, they probably couldn't even get a good word in because there's so many sinners getting helped in the midst. I see them all crowding around the Lord, all these people from different walks of life. But then watch the end of the verse. It says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Isn't that a good thing? When you go to church and the power of God is present, the power of God was there to heal the paralytic man. It was there to heal the leper, but it was also there to heal, heal the Pharisee. And that just reminds us, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. The power of God is present and it is enough. It is sufficient to meet the need in your life. Now here in verse 18 we'll begin. There's four compassionate men with a crippled friend. And God uses their example to preach to us a sermon by their actions of conquering faith. It's amazing to consider that God has ordained to use men to bring men to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Now as the story unfolds, here's what I learned about faith. Faith has tunnel vision. Faith has a one-track mind. Faith has a concentrated concentration. Faith is not deterred by difficulty, but faith is determined to get to Jesus no matter what might get in its way. Now, as the story unfolds, imagine it. There's a sea of people surrounding the Lord. The crowd is so thick that they fill up the house. There's people on every piece of furniture. There's people standing in the shadows of the corners. There's people crammed in every room of the home. Then, outside of the house. We read in Mark 2 that the people filled the out uh, the perimeter of the house into the streets that surrounded it. You talk about a crowd of people in Mark 2. It calls them the press. It doesn't mean it this way, but it's still applicable. The press always keeps people from the Lord. Say amen right there. Amen. CNN standing outside the house. No wonder nobody could get in there. Mm-hmm. But you see this crowd there around the house. That palsied man needs to get to the Lord. Can I say a crowd is a good thing unless the crowd keeps you from Christ? Now here's this palsied man who needs to get to the Lord. Now several things about palsy. Number one, this palsy is a picture of sin or iniquity. This man has a condition that hurt. This man had a condition that hobbled him. This man had a condition that haunted him every single day. He had no power in and of himself to get to where the Lord was. He needed someone to get him there. That's the condition of everybody who's not born again. They have a condition that is haunting, it hurts, it's a, it's a hobbling thing, and it restricts them from getting to the Lord. So this man is a picture of iniquity. Not only that, he'd be a proven inconvenience. Now they might be polite and not say it to his face, <clears throat> but you better believe that this man was a a bit of a hardship on his friends. I mean, every single day, he'd rely on them for every need in his life. In fact, in Bible times, they often would say, if you have a sickness, it's because of the judgment of God. I don't doubt that he dealt with that the entirety of his disease. He couldn't raise his hands. He couldn't use his feet. He might have been stricken to that bed, just barely able to turn his head. He's paralyzed, but I like the fact he's a picture of iniquity, a proven inconvenience, but he provides an invitation for Jesus to do something amazing in his life. I'm glad tonight that difficult dilemmas do not deter the Lord from doing something amazing. God does not have to have it easy, made in the shade. In fact, God is an expert and God specializes in hard cases. These men, because of their faith, they don't let the problem get in their way. They don't let the hardship get in their way. They don't let the batten down door or the crowd get in their way. But faith inside of them, drives them to get their friend to Jesus. Here's what faith does. Faith rallies in opposition to get victory. Too many Christians want victory without opposition. There's no such thing. Victory doesn't come without an adversary. Faith is found in the furnace. Faith is found in the battle. Faith is found in the storm. Faith is... Conquers. Now let me apply it, give you four points, and we've got to close. Faith conquers. If you look in Hebrews 11, verse 32 through 34, here's what it says. I'll read it. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith here's the key, subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness obtained. By the way, that's what we need to be seeing in our generation. They subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness, were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And let me say it again, Christianity is not a religion of quitters. It's a religion of conquerors, and we conquer by faith. Wouldn't it be good in our generation to see some things like that from God? I mean, to see some some kingdoms subdued, to see some lions with their mouths shut, to see weakness give birth to strength. Wouldn't it be something? I think about all these great ministries that we often reference in our church. There's not one of those great ministries that was birthed out of ease. Everyone was birthed out of battle. You think about those old men of God from another generation. They had to fight on every hand. They fought a convention. They fought a city. They fought a government. They fought convictions. They fought their own church at times. But God used that in their life. Why? Because they had enough faith in God not to quit in the battle. Their faith overcame and their faith helped them conquer. Can I say this? There's too much quitting going on in our generation. We're quitting too easy. We quit too often. We quit marriages. We quit jobs. We quit insurance. We quit work. We quit church. We quit a Sunday school. We quit a route. We're too much in the quitting and not enough in the conquering. And I tell you why—it's too much flesh and not enough faith in God. Can I say that contemporary movement is so much flesh? That's why there's so much quitting going on. That's why they don't last very long. But I tell you, you get an old. Fashioned Christian that's walked with God and read his Bible, been filled with the Holy Ghost of God, has that faith on the inside. It's hard to keep a Christian like that down. They'll press on. Thank God they don't bend, they don't bow, and they don't burn. Oh, they overcome by faith. They gain by faith. They surmount by faith, and they're victorious by faith. Paul said, none of these things move me. Now everything moves us. One negative remark moves us. One threat moves us. One, one person looking at us cross-eyed when we preach moves us. Everybody says, why don't you always take off your glasses? I just told you why. I can't see a one of you now, and I like it. Brother Nicolai, I've never seen you so beautiful in all my life. Nice dark hair and things. Can't see a thing. Everything moves us I only had five on my bus route. I don't think we ought to run that bus route That's not faith Man faith would see that as an opportunity to see God do something Man if I had a low day last week that just gave God opportunity to give me a big day this week Man, I've knocked a hundred doors. Nobody got saved. I don't think soul when in works. That's not faith. That's flesh because what did God just do? You were faithful to God. God just gave you opportunity to prove him faithful to you. He might give the victory next week. Faith overcomes. Faith doesn't quit. Faith is a conquering thing. Lord, increase our faith. Let me give you four statements and I'll be through. Number one, here's what faith conquered. Faith conquered their focus. These four men decided to help their friend. You better believe they had other things going on in their life. You know what faith did? Faith narrowed their focus on the narrow way. It gave them tunnel vision on the will of God. You know what faith does? Faith consumes you with doing what God would have you do. It's amazing to me, and it's scary to me, to be honest with you, because Lord willing, if he doesn't come back and I don't die or something, I'll be doing this for who knows how long. And if it's just, if it's this hard right now with, with us in my age group to get you to be faithful to church, how hard is it going to be for your children to be faithful? You know why that is that a lot of us in my age bracket, and I'm saying us so that you don't feel like I'm preaching at you. You know why it's hard? Because we don't live by faith anymore. There's a previous generation that had to live by faith. They didn't have any money, but they had a lot of God. They didn't have as nice a car as you have, but they had a little more God. They knew what it was to pray in their bread. My grandpa grew up in a cabin in West Virginia with 11 brothers and sisters, a one-room cabin with an outhouse. He said, you look through the floorboards and see chickens running through the floor under the house. They'd have to pray everything in. But I tell you, my grandpa worked in the coal mines and then in a plant, made some money and built a brick house with his own hands. And you should have heard that man pray. God blessed him, got to retire, made some money, but didn't start out that way. But God blessed him by faith. He'd pray over his meal, and it didn't matter what it was. It could be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and he'd say, Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we sure aren't worthy of these blessings you gave us as a peanut butter sandwich. But he was praying, man, because he knew that peanut butter came from God, and that jelly came from God, and that bread came from God. And can I say he built a church there in Ripley, West Virginia, pastored three or four other churches in that West Virginia area. Can I say that is faith in God. I'm so burdened for us in my age bracket. I'm so burdened for you and I. I mean, from 20 to 40 years old, we're so wrapped up in this world. Can I say when you and I get anchored to faith in God, we're going to be all about doing what God have us do. I tell you what we need is a bunch of folks who have an able body to work a bus route, quit depending upon the senior saints to do all the work around the church. Why is it it's the great heads that get all the job? No, it ought to be some of us that still have some energy. God is not just interested in this church today. By the grace of God, we need a church like this tomorrow. And it's not going to happen unless you and I increase our faith and focus Focus on the will of God. They say that Columbus discovered America long before he ever discovered America because he saw himself finding the new world. And that's what faith does. Faith drives us to the will of God. Missing church for every kind of social activity. Man, I'm all for it. We have a full social calendar, but it doesn't ever interfere with church. Or Saturday soul winning. Amen. Or Saturday night men's prayer. You say, well, you're paid to come. If I wasn't, I'd hope I'd still come. Why? Because I just want to be a good Christian. Faith. Faith. When my wife and I got married had zero dollars, I started to preach quick. I'm going along. I always go short. Look what happened to me. Okay, thank you. That's really the only reason I said that was to get permission. I had every intention to keep going, but thank you. I'm kidding. When my wife and I got married, I was a Christian school teacher. I taught Christian school until about October, and it was so bad, God drove me into the ministry from the Christian school. <clears throat> I, I quit my job. And you know what happens when you quit your job? You quit getting paid. I went home one day and told her I quit. I didn't ask her before. I was just so zealous and stupid. And by the way, that will get you in more trouble. Zeal without knowledge like seeds in a jar. doesn't do any good in the jar. You have to have knowledge to open the jar and put it in the ground. I had a lot of zeal and no knowledge and didn't consult with her and quit that job and man, we were broke. Had to move out of our first house that we lived in a nice home and moved into this little double wide trailer. Double wide trailer it had skylights in the roof that weren't supposed to be there. It had a blue, I had to put a blue tarp over the ceiling on that thing. Seriously, in our in our bedroom, so that the rain didn't come in. There was a hole in the wall in the bedroom when we moved in that thing. And I reached in there with a pair pair of grill tongs and pulled out a petrified biscuit from the wall. I thought, man, that woman who lived here before tossed a biscuit at her husband, and i uh, would have killed him if it'd hit him. You know. Just, I remember, man, we we turned on that oven the first time. She was going to make something to eat, and it started to stink. And we thought, what in the world is that? And she roasted a whole family of baby mice in the oven, just a nasty thing. We paid that man. That, That thing had a well, and it turned everything orange. Everything you washed and your bathtub was so nasty and stunk. It was at the end of this dirt road. Every time you drove out, just a dirt road in, in South Carolina, just a dirt road. It just made everything dusty and nasty. We paid that man $500 a month. My income at that time was $500 a month. It's all we had. I remember she and I went out to McAllister's Deli to eat. I was preaching at a church in Alabama. And we, we didn't know how expensive it was. And we went ahead and ordered, and the man said $20. And I gave him $20, and that's all I had was $20. All we had. That night a woman gave me a check for $1,000 not knowing I needed any money from church and God met the need. But can I say, sometimes I worry God's blessed me too much. Because I don't have to worry about going out to eat now. In fact, if I want something, I just get on Amazon right now and buy it and then hide it from my wife. (laughs) Amen right there. I worry about us though, and I'm going to go quickly now, but I worry about us. 30s, 40s, 20s, 50s even. So wrapped up in activity. Activities are fine, but God comes first. He puts you first. Number two, faith conquered their flesh. Conquered their focus, but it conquered their flesh. You see, what do you mean? Four men had to work together. You talk about conquering something. Can you imagine getting four people to agree together to do anything <clears throat> I mean, they all had to grab a corner of that couch and carry it. And if they were going to make any progress, they had to pull the same direction, Peter. They couldn't go their own way. They had to surrender to each other, work together to get that man to his destination. Can I tell you what faith in God does? Faith in God will overcome your flesh. What do you mean by that? Faith in God will absolutely destroy your pride. Faith in God will humble you. Faith in God will not make you need your way. Amen. Faith in God won't make you strut like a spiritual peacock when you walk into church. Faith in God won't make you get sideways when somebody doesn't say nice special. Hello. I'm talking about faith in God will put a unity in a church. I don't think the devil can stop a unified church. And I don't think the government can stop a unified church. I think that if we'd all just pull together, how are you gonna to pull together? It's gonna to take faith in God. I yield what I want for what His will is in my life. Faith conquered their flesh. Number three, faith conquered their failure. Their plan was to get the Lord into, or sorry, get the palsy man into the house to the Lord. Now let me get, let me just let me give me some liberty here. I'm just gonna guess. I think they probably wanted to go through the door. I don't know how you get in your house but probably through the door. I would say as they devised this plan and they got this stretcher and began to carry it toward that crown, they thought, we'll just go right through the front door. You know what happened to them? Their plan fell apart. That would have been a quitting place right there. When it didn't go the way you thought it ought to go, that would have been a good place to quit, wouldn't it? Perfect place. You know what faith did? Overcame their failure. You know, failure doesn't have to be final. It could be a forerunner to something fantastic. God uses failure to build you to success. You and I would be hard to live with if everything we ever did succeeded. You imagine that? If everything we ever did was a success and was prosperous and was bearing fruit right out of the gate, we'd be so full of ourselves. You know what God knows? God knows sometimes we need to fail. Sometimes I need to preach and it needs to be a failure. Man, I don't want to do that. Sometimes I need to witness and it needs to be a failure. Sometimes I need to pray and it not get through, it seemed like. Sometimes, just ideas about ministry, we try all kinds of things. Sometimes it needs to fail. Why is that? Because that's a good place where you learn about yourself. You don't quit right there? That's not faith in God. I tell you what faith does, faith steps in and says, hey, pick yourself up. Hey, get that towel off the mat. Hey, dust off your shoulder. Get back in the game for God. Failure, what's not final with God? You can go forward for God. Just press on. Faith conquered their failure. One more, one more. Then faith conquered the far-fetched. You say, what's that mean? Never in their wildest imagination would they have thought that they were going to tear somebody's roof up. But here's what faith does. Faith knocks the ceiling out. You say, what's a ceiling? That's the barrier man put in. That's the limitation that man put on it. That's the extent of man's vision. What was the ceiling? That was the highest height that man could attain to. You know what faith did? Faith came in and removed the barrier. Faith came in and removed the boundary. Faith came in and kicked the ceiling out, and faith led them to do something that nobody else had ever done before and nobody had ever seen happen in their lifetime. Can I say that's what faith and God will do for our church as North Valley Baptist Church? Can I say faith could conquer the far-fetched? We have so many dreams and so many visions and so many plans for God to do things at this place. We talked about it even this week. and I mean, different things about what God could do at a place like this, and a lot of those things are impossible, but that means they're a God thing. That's what God does. God does the impossible, but it takes faith in God. It's going to take faith in God to get property around this place. It's going to take faith in God if we ever see that little church house built. It's going to take faith in God if you ever see those buses filled like they could be filled. It's going to take faith in God to see more Sunday school space. It's going to take faith in God to get a campus for Golden State Baptist College. It's going to take faith in God to get a bridge over the road to another piece of property. It's going to take faith in God to see things explode around here. But here's good news. That's exactly what God expects. That's what God desires. That's what God wants. Wouldn't it be good, wouldn't it be good if some Sunday school teacher went to class this Sunday and just tore the roof off the thing. I mean, went to their bus route and just ripped the roof off the thing. I mean, went out with it on Saturday and ripped the roof off the thing. Got in a prayer closet and ripped the roof off the thing, came to men's prayer and ripped the roof off the thing, came in on Sunday and tore the roof off the thing, come back on Sunday night and tear the roof off the thing, come back on Wednesday and rip the roof off the thing and say, here's what we thought, here's what we planned, but look at what God did. God went above, God went beyond, God went over, God went further, and God did it by faith in God. Oh, faith conquers tonight. And it conquers that which nobody can even imagine. D.L. Moody said, "Make your plans big, because God's your partner." Make them big. I think about the day of Pentecost man that was big. Faith had to conquer in that upper room. Amen. Jesus did no mighty works in certain places because they didn't have faith. but if we'd have faith, there ain't no telling. That's bad English and good preaching. There ain't no telling. Charles Spurgeon said there ain't no telling what God could do if we would have faith that conquers. Tonight I want to challenge you as a church. Would you let faith take control? And just trust faith to get the job done to conquer. Conquer your focus. Conquer your flesh. Conquer your failures. And then we'll watch God conquer the far-fetched.